Welcome to Two Inches Off the Ground. When you are enlightened, you live your life two inches off the ground. Please keep spreading the word if you like this podcast and like, subscribe, and review wherever you listen. Today, I'm discussing Edgar Casey, who I'm sure most of you know, but you may learn some different things today, and a few of his psychic predictions for 2021 and beyond in this age of Aquarius. Edgar Casey was arguably the world's most famous psychic, clairvoyant, and channeler, even still today, despite dying in 1945. He's called the Sleeping Prophet and the father of holistic medicine and is the most documented psychic of the 20th century. Casey gave thousands of psychic readings while in a channeled state, even diagnosing illnesses and revealing past lives and future prophecies, a few that we'll go over today. Casey's legacy is his nonprofit, the Association for Research and Enlightenment, ARE, in Virginia Beach. Edgar Casey was born in Kentucky in 1877. He lived his childhood as a quote unquote a freak because of his metaphysical abilities. At his grandfather's death, Casey had the ability to talk to him as the grandfather was lying on the ground. What happened was there was a horse accident. The grandfather protected Casey from the horse and unfortunately the grandfather ended up dying. Is he was dead on the ground and everyone saw it, including Casey's parents and the neighbors. Casey began to communicate with him as a four-year-old and tell everyone that my grandfather's fine. He says he's fine. He's doing well. It really upset Casey's father, Leslie Casey. He was not happy with his son's abilities until later in life when unfortunately Casey's father put him into a scam which Casey had to get out of. His mother loved him and encouraged him to live with his heart, but his father, again, was deeply ashamed of Casey's metaphysical abilities. As a child, Casey had imaginary friends. To us in the metaphysical world, as most of you know, imaginary friends are ghosts, spirits, angels, spirit guides. And as children, we are on a vibration that is so much more open to seeing these things and communicating with these entities. So that's what Casey was most likely seeing. Casey could also memorize a book's entire contents by sleeping on it. There's a famous story where Casey goes to school He misses a lot of words on his spelling test. His dad's not happy, and he says, you have to memorize these words by tomorrow morning. He sends Casey to bed. Casey takes the book. He puts it under his pillow, and he wakes up, and he has memorized every single word. He shows his dad how he can spell, and the dad is confused and obviously not happy with it. In adulthood, Edgar Casey discovered his ability to go into a trance-like state and connect fully with his higher conscious and the collective conscious. Casey was also religious. 
He attended church regularly and read the Bible in its entirety for every year of his life. What I found interesting in researching the best psychics, there was a study done and the best psychics in the world either came from Catholicism or some of them actually came from Scientology, whether you believe that's a religion or not. And I find it interesting that now Casey obviously is one of the best psychics in the world and he was very religious. So I think there is something connected to that spirituality, even if you're not a religious person. I think that has a connection. Casey provided help and guidance to those who came to him for readings, including the sick. He made his clients millions upon millions of dollars with his sound financial advice. One of his most famous readings was called Hampton Roads. In 1926, Virginia Beach was building to the south. If you wanted to buy a house and make a profit in Virginia Beach, you wanted to buy to the south. But Casey, in his reading, said, no, that's not true. You actually want to buy to the north. The developers are going to change course. The developers did change course. Those who he advised who bought houses in the north of Virginia Beach made a fortune. In 1926, you could buy a house for $500, and several years later, that house was worth $500,000. This is in the 1920s. We're 100 years later, and $500,000 is still a lot of money. So imagine how much money that would have been in 1926. Casey also advised those on Wall Street, but I'm going to get to that later. He charged $20 per reading, but if a client couldn't afford it, he would read them for free. He made enough money for himself and his family to purchase a home and cover expenses. But he did not believe in making a fortune off his abilities because he believed if he did so, his psychic gift would go away. This proved to be somewhat true in 1929. Around 1928, he started telling his speculator clients to pull slowly out of Wall Street, pull their money a little at a time out of the stock market. Unfortunately, this was the one reading that the speculators refused to believe. They thought it was an aberration because Casey had always made them so much money. They ignored his sage advice and they ended up losing fortunes in the 1929 stock market crash, as we all know. The unfortunate part of this is Casey blamed himself. A few years before 1929, he decided to take some of his money and start his lifelong dream of a metaphysical library and more importantly, a hospital for the sick and the poor. And when 1929 happened, he saw that as him trying to gain something. He saw that as him trying to gain something for himself, not so much profit, but him gaining something off of others. After that, he was completely changed. He would only take money for readings when he had to. I researched a little bit about his family and his wife, and apparently his wife was extremely on board with this and also held the same belief not to profit. And she was fine with just having expenses to pay the bills. That to me 
is an absolute commitment to Casey's craft. I just, I couldn't believe that the whole family was involved and understood it. Casey cured many clients with his medical readings, including his own wife of tuberculosis and his son from severe burns to the eyes. Another interesting thing about Casey, if you read his timeline, he kept opening photography studios, which I didn't really know about him, that he was that into photography. And the son came into the studio and started to kind of mess around with the powder that you used at the time to make photographs and it got into his eyes and burned them severely, but Casey was able to heal them. Casey channeled God, source, higher power, whatever this means to you, and Jesus in biblical times, including readings about the Essenes, the Jewish sect in which Jesus was raised. And we talked about the Essenes last episode in case you missed it. In fact, Casey saw the meeting where Jesus volunteered to return to the earth to help its people. In this meeting, Casey saw God as a light, not as a man in a white robe. Jesus said many centuries after his death, Casey would spread his message. Just to let you know the scope of Casey's work and how respected he was. On October 9th, 1910, the New York Times published a long article on Casey's psychic powers. Now let's go on to some of his future prophecies. The stock market crash of 1929, the month and the year of the start and end of World War II, the fall of the Soviet Union, the rise of China, El Nino, that the lost continent of Atlantis will be found if researchers dig deep enough in the seafloor below the island of Bimini in the Bahamas, that we will suffer the same fate as the Atlanteans with earthquakes and destructive weather if we don't come together as one planet, that parts of New York and California could be underwater due to devastating weather events, and most importantly, that the age of Aquarius will bring focus to the most important issues of preserving our planet. We must make it our priority to solve these issues and work as a collective consciousness. This is from Edgar Cayce on the Millennium, which is a great book I listened to by Jess Stern. I do recommend the book. It does get technical in the way Casey speaks. You know, he's speaking in that old fashioned way, but Jess Stern does a good job of deciphering that. Also, he can get very technical. He talks about the death ray and it becomes extremely technical, but overall really good listen. I will put that book in the show notes so you guys can read it if you want. Here is a general prophecy from many astrologers and Edgar Cayce. In the age of Aquarius, beware of false prophets. We can see that by some of the documentaries that have become very popular. Leah Remini's Aftermath of Scientology, the Nexium documentary, The Vow. When you start to study these cults, which I've read a lot and I've seen a lot about cults, we have a misperception about them. And the perception is only people who aren't very intelligent, don't come from a good family, 
are, are very lost in life, aren't successful, are attracted to cults. But a lot of times it's the opposite. Really successful people can get roped into cults. For example, in Nexium, they had two billionaire heiresses who were funding everything. They had an award-winning documentary filmmaker. In this age of Aquarius, we have to be careful, and Source really wants me to say that, when you look to a guru or you look to spiritual guidance, make sure it's the real deal. Because how cults suck people in is they start with self-help. They'll, they'll give you some type of free self-help evaluation, or you only have to spend $100 for the first workshop. And it's all in the guise of self-help. So that's something to really be forewarned of. Also, these cults, they use words such as suppressive, okay? If, if you're not aligned with their principles, you're a suppressive person. They also talk about how pain is good. You know, maybe suffering's not good, but, but pain is good. If you feel pain, it's, it's a good thing. Those are two big signs that the group you may be involved in or attracted to may have cult-like tendencies. In my other podcast, Two Enlightened Bitches, in episode 13, entitled Energy Vampires and Cult Dreams, we talk extensively about what happens when a cult goes horribly wrong or a leader takes advantage of others. This is a Piscean age concept to look toward authority, to put someone on a pedestal. I call it the pedestal movement, right? This politician, this actor, this director, whatever, they're on a pedestal and people worship them. That is scary. And that was a Piscean age, which we've moved out of. In the age of Aquarius, it's supposed to move toward equality and leaving that pedestal movement in the past to invoke a healthy way to look at others who we find significant. Co-op work shares are becoming more popular in the U.S., meaning that the normal American way of working is you have the boss who's, let's say, the CEO, and all of us listen to the boss. Instead, these co-op work shares, everyone has a share in the company, and everyone has an equal say. That's becoming a lot more popular as well. When I lived in Australia, I thought the way they engaged in teamwork, even with the boss of the company, was admirable. I felt a lot more equality there than how we do it in the U.S. So in this Aquarian age, I'm curious to see if we're going to move closer to that, if we're going to move closer to teamwork, closer to equality in the workplace. Returning to Edgar Casey's advice, I will quote from the book, Edgar Casey on the Millennium. In his lifetime, Edgar Casey paid little attention to the doomsday prophets currently making headlines. Somehow, the American public seemed more partial to mindless warnings of its own annihilations than Casey's reassuring forecast. That the millennium will be a recycle of a spiritual age with a growing consciousness of brotherhood. He said, in the outgoing Piscean age, we have the entrance of God among men with the birth on earth of Christ. 
In this age, there was a consciousness of the ability to communicate with the creative forces and the uses of same in a material way. The awareness in this age of Atlantis brought the destruction of man through selfishness and the beginning of his journey upwards. Casey was optimistic about the survival of God's world as he knew it. In his portrayal of the millennium change, he constantly saw a reassuring rise in spiritual values in America. Learning from Casey, we can change the course with our collective thinking and the way we live. I believe his warnings of potential dangers are just that. It's just showing the path we could be on with New York and California underwater, for example, if we continue the way we are going. But I see a lot of light at the end of the tunnel. And by light, I mean actual light. You know, I, I just had someone over here yesterday, an expert on solar panels. So I'm we're going to try to do that. I, our electrician told us that so many solar panel farms are popping up that these solar panel experts are insanely busy. They can't even return people's calls, which happened to me. When I researched for this episode, I didn't end up including her, but there is a psychic called Baba Vanga, who was known as the Nostradamus of the Balkans, and she was 85% correct in her predictions, which the world's most famous psychics are usually 80% correct. And she said that we will start embracing solar power. And I love this, the earth will be able to rest. In regard to changing our course with the positive and healing thinking of the collective consciousness, I give you this real life example from November 2019. In November 2019, there was supposed to be a tsunami that would have wiped out most of the Los Angeles, California area. There was a metaphysical group of psychics and healers who predicted this a year before, and they saw or they foresaw a lot of death for the Los Angeles area in November 2019. How was this supposed to happen? Well, there's supposed to be an earthquake near Mexico, 8.0 on the Richter scale, and another earthquake in the sea, but close to Los Angeles, 8.0 on the Richter scale, and they're supposed to happen one after another, and this was going to create a massive tsunami. For anyone that doesn't know about tsunamis, you don't have a lot of time to prepare. When a tsunami comes, it comes very fast. So clearing out that area wouldn't have been possible. I mean, if you think of LA on a normal day with the traffic, impossible. So this group of metaphysical people got together and they sent healing energy. And what ended up happening is one of those earthquakes went down from the expected 8.0 on the Richter scale to, I believe, a 4.0 on the Richter scale. So it wasn't powerful enough to create a tsunami and Los Angeles was saved. If you look this up online, it's really hard to find it. I really couldn't find much about it. However, I listened to a Sirius XM program where the people, they aren't metaphysical, but they were talking about 
packing up because they lived in Los Angeles and they were talking about packing up their cars and their family and leaving because they were so sure this tsunami was going to hit. I think it was supposed to actually be November 20th, 2019. I, I can't, I think that was the date. They were packing up two days before and were going to leave. Quote unquote, normal people in Los Angeles believe this too. That's what I find interesting about this whole prediction, but it didn't end up happening because this amazing group of metaphysical people were able to heal with their energy. And we all have this potential. That's, that is the great part of the story. We all have this potential. You do, I do. Once we harness it as a collective conscious, we can make a lot of change. So how can you help living from source and committing to the best of your abilities, whatever your mission is here on earth, we can change the course of humanity and the planet. So I want to give you two ideas to help the collective consciousness for 2021. Number one, think about volunteering in the new year. I helped out at a food pantry for Christmas. It was such a fun and rewarding experience. And I'm the Instagram manager for my town's COVID nonprofit organization. I've been volunteering since the age of 12. I was a Peace Corps volunteer, which you commit two years of your life in another country. I've been volunteering my whole life. I've done big brothers, big sisters, you name it. And it's such a rewarding experience. And it, it really helps out our world and the collective conscious. And even if in your mind, it's a small act because no act is small, everything's big, especially in regard to higher consciousness and source and healing our planet. If all you can manage because of time is just reposting about a clothing drive on Instagram, perfect. That's a big act. You now have other people who will know about this clothing drive and and the clothing drive can be successful and help others. That's all you need to do. Whatever you want to commit to, commit to. Number two, anything that you intuitively feel will help humanity, do it. Do it in 2021. Act on that intuition in 2021. Example of the clothing drive again. Let's say you posted about this clothing drive, then you see another message on Facebook, then you drive past the church where the clothing drive is, and you say, wow, I I think Source is telling me I need to do just a little more. So maybe you drop off a bag of your children's clothes, and that helps the clothing drive. That's a big act. That is helping humanity. And if we all do that, that's going to help everyone, and it's going to help the planet move toward the light in the right direction. I will end with this quote from Edgar Cayce. Mind is indeed the builder. What is held in the act of mental vision becomes a reality in the material experience. Happy New Year. It's going to be 2021. I am so excited to talk to you in 2021. I will be back next week with an episode. And remember to live your life two inches off the ground. 